deadline on Oak Street, mile three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding warrant the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 1875 podcast. It's a very special edition this week. Um, we promise we've not copied BRFCS. It's more of a happy mistake um, that we've got Tommy on. But Tommy Spurs on today. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so Tommy, thanks for coming on. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to the role that's fearful? <laughs> I think you've just done that, but yeah, um, it's me anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, obviously do really appreciate um, you coming on, Tom. It's fantastic, really. The, the first play we've had on the podcast, so that's an honour for, for yourself. Um, and for, <laughs> I'm privileged. Um, okay, so we'll jump straight into it. Um, obviously, you came up through the ranks at Shepherd Wednesday, didn't you? Um, debut in 2006. How long of a process was that from really becoming serious when you got signed professionally to actually making that first team debut? Um, it's a difficult one, I think. You've probably heard us say before, like when um, when you leave school and you go full-time, that's when it kind of hits you that it's, it's a job now. Um, and things do start to get serious and obviously in and around a first team squad it's um it's quite daunting at first because you sort of sharing a training ground with them it kind of hits you that oh like but then again it still doesn't feel massively real until you get one of them calls from from the manager who at the time um for me was Paul Sturrock um shouts up to academy manager that he needs a couple of young lads to train with with, with first team and you go down, you get you get the nod, and you kind of like, oh, this is this is real. So that's when it kind of hits you the first time you kind of get asked to go down and 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 train with them. What was that like? That first time being asked to to go and train with the the first team. Obviously, it was daunting, but could you really tell the difference in quality from that academy setup to all of a sudden, wow, now I'm playing with the with the big boys, if you will. Oh, massively. Um, no disrespect, but we were um, we weren't the best of academy teams. Um, well, we played against teams like Man United and, and Blackburn always had a good academy and um, we struggled massively. We didn't have the, the cream of the crop, should you say. But um, no, going down with first, I, to be fair, a lot, some lads maybe find it nerve-wracking where I was just buzzing. I was always one of them that trained as I played, so it um, stood me in good stead because the manager liked it um, and I think realised that I wasn't really afraid to, to go and sort of mix it a little bit. Um weren't really afraid to um to sort of mix it with them, so I was quite uh, um excited to, to go and train with them. Definitely. And obviously you were on the bench for, for quite a while, weren't you, before you actually made your official first team debut. Was that a frustrating way or was it a case where I'm just happy to be uh, in and around that team? Again, it didn't really feel that that real, um, to be honest. Um I were in a lot of squads where you just travel and <laughs> you're, you're the kid on bus that, that makes all teas and you're constantly having to, to get up every five minutes because someone else is wanting a cup of tea even though you just made them um, and Paul Sturrock always used to make me, make me buy sweets for him um, at services and you're only on like £65 a week so buying sweets from services he wanted like a couple of big bags as well so um, 
it was one of them where it didn't really feel feel real until like he actually said, "Oh, you're going to play." Because um, I never really had an opportunity to come on whenever I was on bench, so um, I always felt quite safe. But then once you get the nod that you're going to start, then that's when it really hits you that oh, like this is my chance kind of thing. Definitely, and then obviously it did come um, in the form of towards the end of the season um, against Reading. You won the sponsors man of the match um, that day. Just what was that feeling like? You know, making your debut for a side that you supported really throughout your childhood. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, I don't know about about you, but Hillsborough for me is it's one of the better grounds, especially when there's there's an atmosphere and and, it, and it's full. It's it's absolutely bouncing. Um, and that time it was like the last home game of the season as well. So there's always a, a bumper crowd, if you like. Um, so to get to get man of the match, I think it were, I think I said to you before we started, it was probably more of a, oh, it's one of young lads from Academy making his debut, which I, don't, I think it had been quite a while since a, a kid from Academy had, had made the debut. So um, it was probably more of a more of a sympathy vote than, than all else. But um I'd never been so tired in my life. Uh, like the step up was was massive, and you've got all that nervous energy as well uh, mixed with it. And I think um, first time I'd ever played left fullback as well, so we're blowing. It is quite shocking, that isn't it? That your your career is known as a left back, but that was one of the first times you played there. Just how much of a change was that, or is it something that you feel that you adapted to quite well, considering that you were a centre half anyway? Yeah, I think it, I always felt um, comfortable on the ball and things like that. It was obviously just a bit of a shock, and you kind of just get on with it though. Like in a game, you just shuffle out there, and and to start my start off in my career, football were a little bit different, so you weren't really expected to overlap that much. That came like years down the down the line and and things like that. So we kind of just give it to. We had Jermaine Johnson. Um, who played on left wing, so I just used to give him ball and let him run because he was quickest man alive. Um, there was no way I were overlapping him anyway, so we were all right. Well, there you go that. then. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of them you get on with. It's definitely easy when you when you put it like that. I mean, I play Sunday league, and I don't think I could play anywhere other than up front. I don't have the energy <laughs> for it at all. So, um, but yeah. Um, Obviously, the following seasons, really, when you suppose you're held down that regular place, isn't it? Um, scored your first goal as well against Charlton. Um, as a full-back, obviously, they don't score many goals. How was that? Um, I know a lot of these questions probably sound the same as how was that, how was this, but that must have been a fantastic feeling, as, as like I said, as a full-back scoring that goal against Charlton. Yeah, that's that's kind of... Obviously, when you've played a few games, you start to then try and think of things you can tick off that you've always wanted to do and and for me obviously scoring a goal was was one of them but like you say I've never really been known to to score many um but I, I remember it vividly like a corner coming in and and getting above someone and it was Nicky Weaver in goal as well um for Charlton who ended up being being quite close to when he came to um to Sheffield Wednesday um and I just remember running away and I I'd have probably carried on running, but I think Burton like, grabbed hold of me and lifted me up. Um, so I couldn't move, and I look back at the pictures now and just think, oh no, like, <laughs> could have done it with a bit more, a bit more style, but style weren't weren't really my um, forte, unfortunately. I wouldn't worry about style. Blauer Gritties have a goal scorer's ran off with one hand in the air, didn't he? So it doesn't matter how the celebration is, as long as they go in. Um, oh yeah, but it looks looks good to 
to look like you know what you're doing and not oh, yeah. just too excited and surprised as well. <laughs> a little cartwheel or something like that, something rehearsed. <laughs> um, obviously, though, that obviously felt brilliant, but I suppose the big one, the big goal in your career, I would say, would probably be that one against Sheffield United, wasn't it? Um, obviously, a massive derby. Um, and it was early in the game, wasn't it? Very early. Um, so... Again, talk us through that, just that emotion, because I can imagine as a as a Rovers fan, if I had the opportunity to score against the Burnley or someone like that, that would be just unbelievable. And I suppose that that's <laughs> that's your that's your Burnley, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, them games are just on another level. Um, I say both at Hillsborough, um, Bramall Lane, the atmosphere is just like I say on another level. And how fortunate actually, I think. We had a good record. We, we we couldn't win a game for most of the season and then we play Sheffield United who were always in, in playoffs and pushing for promotion and we managed to turn them over most of the time. So we did all right against them. But the the goal was just we just one of them when game starts, you just try to get into a game and doing your first thing right and I think you were about thirty nine seconds into it. Um I think Mickey Gray actually pulled ball back to edge at box. I don't know if he meant it because it was with his right foot. <laughs> Um, and it's bobbled across edge of box and I've just ran onto it and smashed it straight past Paddy Kenny and again another one of them where I <laughs> look back on it and just laugh because what am I doing just end up running nearly full length at pitch back towards Wednesday fans so it were no, one of them that I'll never forget and it's nice to look back on now obviously finished and to think that I contributed to, to a bit of history for Sheffield Wednesday Definitely and obviously it wasn't all good whilst you were at Sheffield Wednesday there was obviously <laughs> the relegation to League One um, mm, and then the subsequent, tough. yeah, I can imagine. Obviously, you suffered two relegations in your career with Sheffield Wednesday and Doncaster. Um, yeah, obviously, the Sheffield Wednesday one probably being the one that, that hurt the most from that emotional perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, just do you feel like you've disappointed not just yourself but the fans? And that's not to lay it on thick at all, I just realize how that sounds, but you know what I mean. <laughs> It's my um, fault. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Just the idea of, of obviously, for a lot of people, like I know when we were relegated to League One, it was it felt awful. Um, and then uh, as a player, just, I suppose, you, you, you carry some of that burden, don't you? You do, yeah. I think I think in that team as well, there were quite a few of us that had come through academy. Um, um, and there were 38,000 or whatever at Hillsborough, and we drew to all. Um, it was just that sinking feeling. It was awful. Um, like probably one of the worst, well, the worst moment in my career. Like um, feeling-wise, um, with a full Hillsborough and not getting that result. Um, we'd done it a couple of times on the last day of the season where we'd stayed up, but that was just one too far. Um, we'd struggled all all year. I think we lost six on, six on the bounce to start the season off. And obviously, when you start like that, you're always up against it. But for me, that was definitely one of the one of the low points. Even though I know it sounds sounds stupid, like personally, I'd, I'd actually had a good season. Um, I think I played nearly every game and and been quite consistent. But um, the club was struggling at that point for money and financially, and we couldn't bring players in and, and things like that. There's all sorts of excuses, but it was just one of one of those years that I'd like to forget. <laughs> yeah, I won't bring it up again, I do promise. Um, <laughs> but now we're going to talk about something else that you perhaps don't look on too fondly. Um, the following season, obviously, in League One, um, there was probably an expectation. Gary Megson took over, didn't he, midway through the season? Mm. And you find yourself frozen out. Now, we'll have to, to go into the details of it, but 
as a player in that in that position where you probably are good enough for the championship, or you are good enough for the championship, that's probably <laughs> your is. level. Um, and then you find yourself in, in League One, where really you probably should be playing, and you're just not. Um, and especially at a club that you obviously care a great deal about. Mm. So, obviously, I know. Did, did, was there ever a conversation with Gary Megson where he, he almost explained his reasons, or do you think he just didn't take to you as a person? No, there was never a conversation. Um, he's, he's one of them, for me, Like obviously, were difficult at the time, because when I left, I actually never got the opportunity to put opinion across and what had actually happened. I kind of just got ushered out, and that were it. Um never got spoke to again so one of them were a bit confused because although he gives it the, the hard man and the um the aggressive and shout at some balls and everything he, he couldn't have a, a grown-up conversation if you like i had that that were confused as to why why i weren't involved because i think anyone would tell you that i was one of the hardest working trainers um and players at, at any club i've been at um so it definitely weren't an attitude thing. It would, I think, it was more of a, a personal thing, and perhaps I don't know. I'm just looking back. It, I had a long time left on my contract, and I think he wanted people that had been there for a while out and to bring his own people in, which is fair enough. If he'd have just said that to me, I'd have been absolutely fine and could have got on with things. But when you're a young lad, you're kind of a bit confused why you're not liked. Um, I think that were part of part of my problem at the time, where I cared too much, probably what what he thought, but. That's just part of my makeup, um, unfortunately. Definitely, I can understand. Like I said, the frustration um, and the idea that you want people to like you. Because um, obviously, I know from <clears throat> your time at Blackburn, you were known as this Mister Nice Guy, along with with Jordan Rhodes, and <laughs> and you know it was like that that idea that someone not liking you must have obviously been, and, and for seemingly no reason, um, must have been incredibly frustrating for yourself. It's difficult, I say, even like in football, like you. Players will lie to you and say that they don't read stuff, but 100% they'll, they do, and they'll see comments made on here, there, and everywhere. And you remember little things, and you you do try and try and put them right. But um, as as I got older, I kind of forgot all that and didn't really take any notice of it because it doesn't. None of it helps, so it's pointless even looking into it because you're not going to please everyone anyway. It is interesting that you say that with the reading, because I remember Robbie Savage once saying that, I think when he was at Derby, he used to go on Derby message boards and slate his own performance in the hope that a fan would disagree with him, <laughs> which is just bizarre to think about. I, I assume you never did any of that. Um, no, I wouldn't have gone that far. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it is interesting when you say that, because I suppose as fans, like I have a column in the Langston Telegraph, and, and I think a lot of the time I don't necessarily think about about the players, not that I, I slate them or anything like that, but you do just look at it as a fan giving an opinion. But yeah, of course, football, you're always in that eye, aren't you? Um, yeah, when, when like I say, I never had a problem with anyone saying anything. Um, like I say, not I never had any of it. To be fair, at Blackburn, where it were personal, um, like if it's just an opinion on on something like your performance, then that's absolutely fine. But I think I read read some stuff when I was younger, when I first started at Sheffield. Because it's all new then, isn't it? Like when you first start playing, um, I read some stuff like, "Oh, I wish I'd break my legs and things like that." And it was just that sort of stuff. Just it's just, do you know what I mean? That's the sort of stuff that you just could do without seeing. 
No, yeah, definitely. That that sort of stuff is like out of order. You've seen it, seen it at Blackburn this season with, with Dak when he was injured, the uh, fans of the opposition booing him off. But I suppose that's football, isn't it? Um, yeah. So obviously, with as you had left Sheffield Wednesday, you moved to Doncaster um, for around two hundred thousand pounds, I think it was. Um, a tough first season. Uh, you got mm. relegated, um, but then you won the league the following season. So that was a bittersweet, would you say, time at Doncaster? Yeah, definitely. It was an interesting, interesting time at Doncaster in the first year. Um, I think I was injured actually for about four four months of it, three months of it. Um, well, it should have been about six months, but Dean Saunders kind of won't let me be out for that long. And um, <laughs> I had an operation on my hips, and the um, the I went to start running again, and he seen me running outside. I think it was the first day I'd been outside running, and um, said to physio, "Oh, he can train." <laughs> physio <laughs> like, "No, no chance." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I'll be all right." <laughs> Just went straight into training, um, and then that was the that was the Monday. I had the Tuesday in Thursday, I was out running again, and he said, oh, you can join in. I'm like, oh, all right then. So I joined in, and then he pulled me and said, oh, you can play on Saturday, can't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just that's how I got lucky, really, that I didn't break down because I ended up going straight back into the team, obviously, without any any rehab or anything. And this game, I was just absolutely dead afterwards. <laughs> I couldn't move for about a week anyway. I suppose there's match fitness there as well, isn't there? When you've been out out for so long to, oh. to just get thrown straight back into a ninety minute match and expected to play fullback of all places. Yeah, I think the first game was just adrenaline. With the game afterwards, um, I think we played Bristol City and had to deal with Albert Adoma for when um, it's more of an out and out winger, and um, he got the better of me. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that season did end in relegation, like we said. Um, again, tough um, getting relegated, especially considering you're out for so long. Do you feel like it was a sort of thing where maybe had you been available a bit longer, could the fortunes have been changed? Or was it a case of the word? Because like I said, it was an interesting place and the last of our <laughs> were there, weren't they? Um, who Blackburn fans don't have, have semi-fond memories, I would say. Um, but... Um, yeah, do you, do you think that had you been there, you could have made more of a difference or was the writing very much on the wall that season at Doncaster? Yeah, I think so. I think the writing was on the wall. I don't think um, I don't think anyone had made any sort of difference that year. I think um, the attitudes of, of some of them that were, that were there were just completely wrong um, and not how you get a team environment, team spirit. There was just nothing there. Um and you're not going to get that with some people flying in on a Saturday morning to to turn up for a game and then fly home. You don't see them all week again. Um, it's just mental. Um, but like you like you say, the the next season, Dean Saunders had to change sort of, and he did. Um, to be fair to him, and and he got a really good set of lads together that that do all for each other. Um, and we weren't the best side by by any stretch of the imagination, but. We worked hard and we had a game plan and, and we managed to get out of the league. What was that like, that promotion? It's obviously your first piece of, of silverware. Um, that must have been sweet, mustn't it, after, I suppose, a couple of frustrating seasons for you? Yeah, oh, honestly, I, like, I just um, remember saying to saying to my dad, like, I'd love to be a part of something and win something in my career. And It had been 
whatever five six seasons where it it'd been a struggle really um just staying up and getting relegated and to be a part of something like that we're such good lads as well um really small squad um to to do it the way that we did it as well on the last day when Brentford missed the penalty and we go down to the end and, and nick it in in injury time I forgot about um, that that was the same season as the was that the same season as the Watford one as well yeah, that it sort of overshadowed later. it, didn't it? Yeah, I remember yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah, it killed us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do remember that now, yeah. Just the the feeling afterwards, like, I, <laughs> all the lads are laughing at me because I couldn't talk on the way home on bus for about an hour. I was just in shock. It was a bit of a shame we didn't get our medals and, and things like that on the day because I think they were all up at Tramia because Bournemouth were playing Tramia. Um, so they'd taken all trophies up there and they wouldn't let us lift the trophy at Brentford because um, they were third and obviously they'll have been hacked off that they didn't get promoted um, but it was just the best feeling Like I still watch videos of it every now and again and come back in next still stand up Yeah, Don't blame you, I've watched Charlie Mulgrew score the, the promotion winning <laughs> goal so many times and I wasn't even on but the Donny. pitch <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just a supporter. So to be yeah. part of that must have been unbelievable. Um, oh. Obviously, it didn't last though at Doncaster. Um, had they offered you a contract a lot sooner, do you think you'd have signed that and, and the move to Blackburn never would have happened? I think so, yeah. Um, like I said, I would, I would, when, you, when you have a season like that and you're on such a high and all the lads were staying... Um, some new contracts had been given and a couple of us had been asked to wait because they were going to get taken over and said oh, I'm going to give you a better contract so obviously you're going to wait um, but obviously that didn't happen and um, it took for me to come from a medical at Blackburn for him to, to offer that contract and obviously as soon as I walked through the door at, um, at Brock Hall it was just one of them that I was signing straight away um, even though Donny had offered me a better contract than than Blackburn, I'd, I'd, there was no way I was going to go back to, to Doncaster with sort of the potential that you, that, you, that you could go up to the Premier League with with the squad that that we had at that time was was unbelievable. So it was a no brainer. So, like I said, Blackburn did come in. You had the medical, um, and like I said, it was a no brainer despite it being lesser terms than, than the Doncaster contract. Mm-hmm. You did come in, though, on the back of what was a quite a torrid season for us. Our first season back, the, the fans expected a lot, um, and it didn't happen for us. Um, and I think you were one of, of many signings that season. Um, mm-hmm. I think Kearney came in. I remember Alex Marrow, um, players like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Alex Marrow stands out. It's just one Alex of them. Marrow. Yeah. Um, but he was brought in. I think he started against Derby in that first game. He did, yeah. He, it Tom Kearney, Tom Kearney was on the bench, so yeah. explain that one to me. Um, I think Marsh yeah, a few that, year. that season. Yeah, yeah Corey uh, Evans. Yeah, Taylor. Um, yeah, Judge. Yes. Judge. So there, there were plenty of signings. What was the atmosphere like? Because you've obviously got these players on massive money, the, the Jordan Rhodes, and, and I think I said we'll speak about him a little bit later, but Leon Best, these players that were on big, big money. Um did that ever cause problems in the dressing room? Because there was obviously such a, a drastic difference between those that were on the money that your average mm. championship player would be on compared to those that are on 40, 35,000 pounds. <laughs> like, 
what what was that what was that dynamic like was there ever any any problems because of that no i wouldn't say there were any any problems because of it um like don't get me wrong we we knew like on the same way like there's a, there were a few of us that knew we were in the same sort of boat in terms of like wages and things like that but we were seeing it as an opportunity to to come and and play with some really really good players um a big club um a premier league club with with everything there to try and get promoted so um it never really entered it didn't really enter any well it didn't enter my head anyway um when i was playing i wasn't really bothered what what anyone else were on in terms of wages as long as like, i was happy and, and playing i wasn't really that fussed to be honest um and so it was one of them where he kind of just got on with it but there were the only thing that did strike me was that that mentality of, of oh we're Premier League when actually you're not like you're a Championship player like you might have played there but now you're playing in the Championship and things are played massively different in in this league than it is to to the Premier League so it was kind of that that mentality that was a little bit different from from what I'd been used to anyway. Definitely, and like I mentioned before, Leon Best, he's someone that isn't thought of, thought of fondly by Rovers fans at all. He's actually, I'd say he's hated. Um, it's probably <laughs> the best way to describe it. What was he like as a teammate? Because you've seen, he, he does seem to be, in general, quite a controversial figure. Mm-hmm. Um, what was he like for you as a teammate? Was he someone you enjoyed playing with, or, or was he someone that, you know... <sighs> He's, is he one of the ones basically that's saying he's a Premier League player when you've got someone like Jordan Rhodes who's blowing him out of the park every single weekend? No, I would. To be honest, I'd come across Bestie before at Sheffield Wednesday. He came on loan, I think, when he were at Southampton. Um, and he were always all right with me. Um, don't get me wrong, he had, a, he had a, a strong, how do you put it, a strong personality in terms of. It. If he had a if he had a view, he'd voice it. Um, but I didn't mind that as long as it's done in the right way, kind of thing. Um, obviously, he's not not a lot. And could he at Blackburn to kind of show? Because on his day, we're a handful. Um, one of the strongest strongest guys I'd, I'd played against um, before, and I think even that year, it, it, I think we played Bournemouth away, and they were unplayable. Um, went three 0 up, and and he played a big part in it. But I understand, obviously, the reasoning why um, a lot of fans don't don't particularly like him. But I can only go off sort of personal experience where he, he were always all right with me. Well, definitely, and and I think he did. Like I said, he showed glimpses, didn't he? The the derby game we spoke about just before, obviously. Yeah. His long layoff scored that. It was a Premier League quality goal, the way that he he struck it um, on the turn. And I do remember the Bournemouth game. But yeah, it's just interesting to see that that dynamic of, of the relationship with his teammates compared compared mm-hmm. to the player. Because there were so many players then that probably did feel like they had that Premier League pedigree, the likes of Scott Dan. Um, even people like, I mean, your Grant Hanley's who, whilst he was young, all he'd known in his playing career was the Premier League. There is, there is, obviously, a couple of things where it's like sometimes I don't think the thought before actually um, before saying something. Um, like I think oh, I'm not going to mention names, but we played um, we played Donny early on in that season, uh, my first season, 
Um, and Chris Brown had played really, really well against against us. Um, and someone said, "Wow!" I think Gary Boy asked me about him. I think it was Friday night. Um, and one of the lads, I think, turned around and said, "Oh, why are we signing people from Doncaster?" I'm like, "Well, I'm from Doncaster." <laughs> like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like one of them comments that oh, it's just a bit uncalled for and without actually thinking. Um, but I say overall, though, I don't, I can't really complain with with how the lads were. I, I think it was quite a tight group, and I think as the season went on, um, and lads had spent a lot of time together, I think that's when you started to see the best of best of people. I think if we'd have started the season like that, I, I don't see why we wouldn't have been up closer to the top two rather than just missing out on the playoffs. I think that's the one the one big thing about that side as Rovers fans. So if we just rattle off three names here. So you had Jordan Rhodes, Tom Kearney and Ben Marshall, all three um, very well regarded um, at Blackburn and Rhodes and Kearney especially. Um, how big of a missed opportunity was that not to go up with that squad? Because, I mean, Rudy Gestead came in as well in the second half of the mm. season. So you had and two Josh very King good goal well. scorers. Yeah, Josh King, you forget about him. Um, all these players like like King has gone on to Bournemouth and had great success. And United were interested in him, weren't they? Mm. Um, again. Um, so, yeah, is that one of the big regrets of your career? That that Blackburn side and, and how it perhaps didn't... Um, go where it should have gone yeah I think the first season in particular um, that I was there I think like we were literally within touching distance of of the playoffs and you just look back on I think you mentioned it earlier two two results in particular where you three went up at Sheffield Wednesday with about with injury time left and draw the game three all um, and it's just it's one of them where you just you can't you can't think why or what's happened. Um and draw at home to Yeovil who had been well and truly relegated. It's it's those couple of results that still stick out in in my head anyway. That we missed out on goal difference and this is the sort of four points there that we completely just missed out on and would have been comfortably in the playoffs. But it's it's one of them it's football and it's what might have been. Definitely is it, it. It is frustrating, like you say. I think I think the Yeovil and the Sheffield Wednesday ones are the ones that stick out to me. And I know I mentioned before we started the the Burnley game where Jordan Rhodes was one on. You put your house on him scoring that, and it just hits <laughs> the post. And then they go up the other end and get two goals, and they beat us for the first time in thirty four years, and tears everywhere. Um, <laughs> do you think at times? That so Boyer, like I said, was very well regarded as as a Rovers manager. I know that you had a fantastic yeah. relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Do you think at times he was too cautious? Because I remember the games like Yeovil where we didn't seem to have that that attack to, or we didn't attack them enough like we should have been doing, and and that sitting back against the teams like Sheffield Wednesday, which sort of invites that pressure. Um, do you think at times he was a bit too cautious with his team selections, or do you think that? That was more of a, a problem with the way that the team defended. Yeah, I think I think particularly the Sheffield Wednesday game, I I remember it really well. I think they chucked big Nihui on and yeah. and basically just launched balls up to him and we didn't deal with it. And I think we had an opportunity to clear it and it might have been Michael Michael Keane, I think it was. 
who played right back that day, um, tried run, tried passing it out rather than just sticking it into Rosehead, and um, I think they've nicked it and gone and scored. And it's just little little errors like that where I don't think you can stick it on a manager if if you understand what I mean. I think that's yeah. just decision making in and the state of the game that that you're in. Um, and like for me, I just think I think even the season after. I think Rudy and Jordan both got 20-odd goals each. And for me, if you've got two strikers that are getting, getting your 40-plus goals, then you've got to be in the playoffs. It's it's unheard of, really, that, that we were nowhere near it, I don't think, in the end. Um, yeah, we were at five points off that season. That was the season, I suppose, that we actually thought we could do it, um, yeah. given the, the good season, um, or the good finish to the season especially, um, the previous yeah. season. Um, a bit of a bittersweet end for you, though, wasn't it? Um, that season when we almost made it. Obviously, got injured. I think in the second to last game or something like that. Yeah, it was the the oval game. I was it the oval injured, game, right? Yeah. So, what was that? Just obviously, you struggled really then to get back into the squad as Mark Solson came in and and did play well. To be fair to him. Um, oh yeah. yeah. But obviously, you'd you'd had such a, a good season. You were, I think, I remember at the time we spoke about just your consistency where. You weren't necessarily going to run up the wing and take on three or four and put in a wonder ball, but you were consistently putting good performances of you know your, your, your seven, eight out of ten type things. Like do you, I, with the greatest respect, well, Tommy, I don't mean to. <laughs> um, no, I'm just saying I don't think I've ever taken anyone on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. It, it was that consistent, consistently good, basically. Um, but then, like not the best end to it um, with the injury and then obviously we, we ended up missing out. Um, what was that like, just knowing that you had a good season but it just didn't end either way that you wanted it to? No, it, it was obviously frustrating and I think um, I think the injury, if if we'd have been uh, if we'd have managed to get to the playoffs, I'd have been, I'd have been fit. Um, it weren't a a long-term injury. I think I missed the start of next season because um, we were practicing set pieces the a couple of days before the start of the season, and we're obviously doing some long throw routines and managed to rip my adductor off my bone as I was taking a long throw. So that were um, <laughs> that were me missing missing most of that second season that I was there. Um, you, could, you could really throw so... it though. To be fair, you, you didn't half have a, a fantastic launch on you. Yeah, it's probably cost me my career now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, it was obviously one of them that managers like to use every now and again. I didn't particularly enjoy doing it because it always made my back in bits after games. But um, it was one of them that obviously, when you've got people like Rudy who attack the ball like he does, it's, it'd be stupid not to. But that that second season was particularly frustrating because... Um, you get back fit, but then it's it's just football at times. You've got to hold your hands up and say that that horse has done really well, and you kind of just got to sit back and watch a little bit, which is frustrating. But it's like I say, it's football, and you got to hold your hands up sometimes and say, "Well played." You didn't really get your regular starting position back until Olsen was sold, did you? By Lambert in um, I think it was January 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At that point, what were your thought process? Obviously, Olsen leaving gives you the opportunity to basically get back as the the, the left back in the squad. Um, but it was a, again a strange time as we're always fan because Lambert came in and to much 
fanfare as well, and it just never really worked out, did it? No, I think for me, I I thought it was really good, um, Paul Lambert. I mean, with me personally as well, he he got us in in January, early January, and basically said he's selling else and wants me to sign a new contract and and be his left back. I'm like, all right, great. Like, <laughs> I'm not even knocked on his door yet, and and he was telling me that, so I was buzzing. Um, um, so one of them, and and his training and everything was really good, and then. He kept pulling us in every few weeks, saying, "Well, I can't do anything. I don't know what what's happening, and this, that, and the other." And then he pulled us in and said, "Look, I'm like it's going to become common common knowledge that I'm going to be leaving at the end of the season." I think it was quite early on as well. It was still quite a long long way of the season left um, because he weren't been given the budget that I think he'd been promised um, when he first got the job. Um, so it was one of them for me where I was like, well, where's that leave me? So um, I think I may end up missing the last few games of that, that season because I had a bit of a niggle, um, which I think, if I'm going to be honest, I'd, I'd have been able to play through. But when I was out of contract and things like that, I didn't want to go into the sort of the off-season being injured and, and not being able to get another club if, if, if that's the way it was going to go. Definitely got to put yourself first in that situation, don't you? Uh, a club isn't giving you the what you need, the security that you need, so there's no point risking um, your own future and your family's future over over a club that isn't doing the same thing for you. Um, no, and it's, especially when I, I went particular. I mean, the first season I played with, I had injections in my pubic bone at half-time and things like that to try and get through games. I'm not really like that where I don't. Or I to kind of look after myself a little bit. I'd, I kind of just say, "Oh, I'll be right," and get on with it. But at that point, it was it was one of them where I was like, "Well, if I if I knacker myself, then and Blackburn turn around and say, "No, nah, we don't want you," then I'm not going to get a contract somewhere else. So it's it's one of them where I did have to look after myself at that point. So you were off the new deal technically, but it was only <laughs> after being released wasn't it on on significantly reduced terms um and obviously at yeah. that point Preston had took an interest how mm-hmm. frustrating was that end to your rover's career because obviously it's a club that like you said when you first came in it was there's this opportunity here where we can potentially get to the premier league um it's a club with fantastic facilities but then that frustrating end where it's yeah but we can't have you, we'll release you, but here's a contract on reduced terms. Just, did you have a bit of a bitter taste after leaving? Or did you understand that it wasn't necessarily Blackburn Rovers the club, but more Blackburn Rovers the men upstairs, if you will? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think it's quite well known that I didn't didn't particularly want to leave, to be honest. Um I think it's known. I live round here and and settle down down uh, round here. So it's it was perfect for me to to stay, and I loved everything about the club. So it was it was frustrating as well because obviously when when you left, you don't really get your say. And I think it'd been said oh, I'd rejected a contract, but <laughs> when like you say you're on on whatever you're on from from Doncaster and you get offered half your money for a year, it's it's difficult to sort of accepts that when you know full well 
what what what's going on elsewhere as well. So it's it was difficult because it's like I say when you don't want to leave somewhere, you kind of question yourself whether you're doing the right thing and going somewhere else. But um, it was just one of them where pressing it offered me three years and like with that security, I couldn't really turn it down. No, definitely. Did you ever have any contact with Owen Coyle, or was it just just the contact to offer you the the contract? Um, yeah, I think he got the job, and then the day after, he phoned phoned me and said like he wanted me to to sign a contract. So I was thinking, oh great, like it's going to get sorted after all. Um, and then he phoned me back later on that day and told me what the what the offer was, and I was just like, right. So I don't really know what to say. Um, and basically just said, I, I can't accept that. Um, and told him what Preston had, had offered me. And he said, well, um, that, that's all that we can offer you. So um, that we kind of just said, uh, good luck. And that were it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you say, just one of them, Owen Coyle, another one that isn't particularly um, well regarded by Blackburn. For numerous <laughs> reasons, it's a common thing, isn't it? Um, this period of our history of these people that aren't particularly well thought of. <laughs> um, so you finally did. Uh, so you finally did get your move to Preston. Um, mm-hmm. You started okay, didn't you? In the starting eleven, um, but injuries again sort of uh, took hold, and that good form from other players sort of sort of struggled to force your way back in. You've obviously seen um, Greg Cunningham this year, and he's, yeah. he's, um, he's a good player. He's, he's consistent, and once he gets a run of games, it's it's hard to displace um, someone that's playing so well. And you've kind of just got to hold your hands up and get on with your training and make sure you're right for when you come back in. Um, still, I obviously played bit parts and things, but I got played a bit all over the place in positions that were a little bit alien to me. Um, <laughs> Left wing a couple of times, which I struggled to struggled to get my head around. But it was it's one of them that you just kind of get on with. And like like I said earlier, I'm never going to take anyone on, so I was a bit confused as to why um, why I played there. But um, in terms of playing left back, I didn't really get get much of an opportunity because Greg had been so good. Mm, and obviously, the loan to Fleetwood as well to get you more game time. Um, who was manager when when you went to Fleetwood? Was it was it Joey? It, it was. Right. What was that like? Because that's got to be interesting. Someone like Joey Barton as the the manager. Yeah, it was. It was. It was different. Um, I, I actually quite liked him. I thought he was all right. Um, some of his methods were a little bit different and a bit off the wall, but I think that's because he'd he'd obviously been around different sports and and different environments and seeing what had worked for, for those environments and, and tried like implementing them with, with his management style and, and some I really enjoyed and thought that, oh, that's good. And, and some I didn't quite so much, but um, I think what you see is what you get with, with Joey Barton, you know, exactly what, what it's going to be like. So um, no, like, I don't have a bad word to say about Fleetwood <laughs> apart from obviously, um, getting injured and, and my career finishing there. What was that like? Just that injury, obviously there's got to be the original just wow, because obviously you're only 32 like, you'd think that you'd, you'd be able to play for a few more years at a, at a, a good mm. level. Um, 
and it's just sort of tail, didn't it, um, towards the end? Just what was that like to take? Obviously, you see players have to retire early. Um, but it must have been incredibly frustrating at the start. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think I was... When I went there, I was 30. Um, so, and I'd gone there to play centre-back and because that's where I played for Preston the year before and started the season really, really well. Um, and I'd gone to Fleetwood, probably the fittest I've ever been and and really looking to, to do well that year to, to get myself a, another contract in the Championship, hopefully. Um, so then after playing a few games to then go into a tackle and, and your career's ended, it's it's quite tough to take, to be honest. What was that like, those those weeks and months afterwards, just coming to terms with that? Because obviously as a footballer, that's all you know. Like you said, you start at 16 when you finish your GCSEs and that thing that is a dream suddenly becomes a reality and, and then it's a short career as it is, but then to for it to be snatched away so cruelly. Um, how did you deal in the, the following months? Was it a case with your family there to support you or did you sort of take it in your stride and think, right, there's nothing I can do, let's just move on? Yeah, I think obviously there's that period where you sit and you, you wonder what's what's going to be next, knowing as well I was out of contract um, at the end of that season. Um, it was quite daunting thinking, like, I'll need to get a job straight away because obviously that's that's how life is. You have to get a job to pay your bills. And um, but my wife and my wife were actually due to give birth in the November, and I got injured in on at the end of September. So we were due our first child in in November, and like well, as soon as as soon as the little one were born, it's kind of more important things in life than than playing football. So it was it was one of them where you kind of just get on with it and I'm not one to, to mop around and feel sorry for myself so you just, just get on with it and I spent the rest of that, that sort of season if you like um, Alex Neal was brilliant with us at, at Preston and just allowed me to go and kind of explore options of, of what I might be able to get into um, come sort of July August time um, and that's basically what I did and now sort of I've found a little route for myself where you know, it's 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 not exactly what I'm wanting to do with them, like full time properly, but it's, it's it's getting me by at the moment. Definitely, and I suppose that leads nice on to my next question: What is next for Tommy Spur? Obviously, you've been doing your bits for BBC Lanks and BBC Sheffield, and you seem to enjoy that. Um, but like you say, it's not necessarily the the rest of your life, if you will. Um, do you see a, a route of coaching or are you looking at other business type things? What's next for you? Um, well, I've been doing a degree for the last four and a half years. So I finished that in March. Um, and then I'm looking perhaps to go down um, a teaching route. I'm doing little bits at Stonyhurst um, College at the moment, coaching the the college team there and sort of doing little bits of um, sort of arranging the fixtures and things like that and getting the football going because there's a lot of rugby going on um, up at Stonia so they're trying to introduce the football so I'm enjoying getting that going a little bit um, so fingers crossed I can hopefully get, get my teaching done and, and, and go down that route even though I am doing my coaching as well so I'm trying to keep my options open as well to be honest and um, kind of see what, what comes my way as well um, as I say, I do, do enjoy the 
coaching, even though I didn't think I would do. Um, got my teeth into it a little bit, and, and hopefully I can get that going and and do do a bit of both. I'm quite enjoying doing doing a bit of both, to be honest. And obviously, with the broadcast side, um, have you watched a bit any much of Rovers this season? Um, how do you how do you feel about how they're doing at the moment? Do you think they could somehow perform a miracle and and somehow stumble the way into sixth spot? <laughs> I think. Um... I th- I, when I hear a lot of obviously Blackburn man speaking about Black Blackburn and oh, this that and the other, this that and the other, but and everyone raves about how Preston are doing and there's three points behind them or, or whatever it is at this stage of the season and it's nothing. Um, they've got every chance to to get in and around the the playoffs. I don't see why not, especially with the way, the results that they've had recently. They've had some fantastic. Results. So I won't. I always obviously look out for, for how they're doing, and when I can, I'll, I'll watch their games. So it's it's interesting to see. They've just been obviously hit with a lot of injuries at the moment at the top end of the pitch. So it's it's going to be difficult. But results certainly is. Well, Tommy, uh, thank you very much for coming on. We do really appreciate it, and I'm sure I speak for all Rovers fans when I, I say thank you for your service at the club. Um, it was a pleasure watching you, and it's been a, a pleasure listening to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, enjoyed it. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.